0: blog talk radio
1: welcome to new human living radio show bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you learn more at newhumanliving.com and now your host les jensen Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're in for a delightful conversation tonight. The topic tonight, the global enlightenment. And our guest is Stephen Sedlier. We're going to bring Stephen on in just a moment, but I love the topic of enlightenment and uh uh, I think this conversation tonight will be um, interesting and and hopefully informative, in the sense that I think there's a lot of mess out there about what enlightenment is, and uh, Stevens the perfect guest to to bring on to talk about that. There's a there's a curious thing when you look at consciousness. I mean. Boy, howdy! One of my favorite subjects to talk about consciousness, and more specifically, human consciousness. And uh, the, the the notion that I want to touch on for just a minute is language. It uh, there's a there's a bit of a power struggle going on on the planet, and some of it's obvious, and some of it's not so obvious. And any time um, old-school uh, 3D matrix power is surrendered, there can be a vacuum and other personas can step in and, and try to conjure up a following of their own, if you will. There can be villains that replace the villains, if you will. But language, language, language is a very powerful way to discern who is talking and what they're saying. And for all the years I've, I've noodled the, the nature of consciousness, language is probably the, the, one of the best measuring sticks. Um, you can look at language at the words that are being used. Do they elicit love? Do they elicit fear? You can look at language and look at the context of the language. Is there, is there uh, a real strong structure of language? And, and what I mean by that is, uh, for example, religion. Religion, in a general sense, is, uh, for example, Western religion, perhaps Christianity. There's, there's an extreme amount of content or context that is spoken related to divinity. And then... And then, so on on one side of of this pendulum or scale, if you will, the spectrum, is uh, uh, a lot of complexity, a lot of structure, a lot of permission, if you will, a lot of authority, if you will. And then we swing around to the other side of it and it's pure as can be. Examples of that would be uh an example might be the burning bush. I am that I am. Get over it. No wait, wait, get over it's my words, but there's there's zero embellishment of any archetype, any any preference, any notion of right or wrong. I am that I am. I am that I am. And the Bhagavad Gita as it is. These Super simple sentences Wow, there's, there's a tongue twister Is an indication of being Closer to source consciousness In other words um, If you think of the scale of consciousness As in the beginning was the light um, Which had no form Which means it had no sentencing It had no archetypes It had no preferences It had no right or wrong And then you and then you move forward in a hundred gazillion years of creation, and we come we come up to planet Earth at this time, and and we're so inundated with structure and form and and preference and and what I'm getting at here is when someone languages. Th- their notion of, of consciousness or reality or right or wrong, you can look at the language that they use and get an idea of where they are in the scale of consciousness. It, you know, um, archangels and, and, and the big deities, the beings of light, um, they never speak sentences to elicit fear. They never speak sentences to give you a sense that you should do this and you should not do that. They're extremely neutral. I, I, I think they go home and practice because <laughs> their languaging is super pure as far as your choices but but if if a persona comes in and starts saying well the right thing to do is xyz and if you really want to find your divinity then you need to you know abc th- then your bs detector should go off and you should see that as the the dogma that it is uh, you um you wait and see my my hunch is the next couple of decades we're going to see Players show up that try to influence the human um, culture on this planet. And the, and they're going to have slick tongues, but they're not going to be the real McCoy. And so I suggest it's to your advantage to noodle the notion of what unconditional love sounds like when it makes sentences. What kind of a sentence would unconditional love make? So enough Enough jibber-jabber, let's get to the show because I'm sure it's gonna be quite the conversation. Again, the topic tonight is the global enlightenment and our guest tonight is Stephen Sedler. Steve is a leading world master and is known as the American guru by other masters around the world. He is the director of the Self-Awareness Institute and has taught Thousands around the world since the mid 1980s. He's a leading author, trainer, and speaker on mindfulness, mind control, and manifesting. He stars in three, movie, <clears throat> three movies about consciousness Spiritual Revolution, Three Magic Words, and Enlightenment Now. He is the host of Enlightenment Radio. He has hosted two television programs, is a best selling author with over a dozen books, and is currently in production on another feature film. Join me in welcoming Stephen to the show. Stephen, I'm so glad we have you back on the show.
0: It, it's always exciting, Les. Every, each time we get to talk, uh, I always learn something. So thank you. <laughs>
1: And I think I will as well. Um, so good, the topic you've picked, the topic you've picked, picked tonight is global enlightenment. Now, what what comes to mind when you think of that term, global enlightenment? Well, that's
0: that's hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? It there's kind of a spectrum of how that term might be perceived, you know, because when we hear like enlightenment. A lot of times, if you just go to uh, Google, for instance, you might go to the Age of Enlightenment. You might hear that—that that might connote to some people, um, you know, an intellectual awakening, the, the idea of representative government and so forth, and our revolution that brought about the United States. On the other end, it might be sitting on the top of a mountain with your legs crossed, chanting Om or something. You know, there's there's a wide gamut, what I'd like to call the aperture of awareness to represent that all human beings are in a different stage of development in, in their sensory awareness, in their, in their physical intellectual awareness and in another sense developing as well we're still evolving as a human being and that's the exciting part to talk about is the science of this to realize that we have not fully realized our full potential we can actually see well, say, going into the archaeological record, you know, uh, there's a shift happening within our own neurology, in our brain and our how we look, our genetics, things are changing. And so if we have come to this point less and, and to all the listeners, this is what's so exciting. We have all or we're all starting to get to this point where we're beginning to realize that there's something to be realized. In other words, there is an enlightenment. We're coming to the age. Where more and more people, a small but r- rapidly growing segment of the population, are beginning to realize, well, what you call this new living being—you know, these new human beings—that what's the new human? It's a human who's kind of realized his own potential, right? Sure. But even that—that—that that, that can start with Tony Robbins, or even going to church, or any number of ways that you start your path. There's no, like you would say, there's no one way or best way or only way. It's wherever you're being drawn to you just need to be present what's there for you to learn from but there is an awakening and that's what's so exciting that's why talking about global enlightenment is so i think meaningful for us is that we're literally in an age where millions of people are beginning to wake up and they are enlightening but what does that mean and i think that's what you and i are going to have some fun talking about well what does that enlightenment mean you know because at one level there's a lot of people that I would say have awakened. So if we go back, you, you and I know Dr. David Hawkins, who wrote Power versus Force and Eye of the Eye. He had a model of a scale. So if you know, if we go around, we know people who have who have really probably never read a spiritual book in their life. They cuss, they're angry. They, we don't mean to judge them, but you might say they're a, a soul that doesn't have control over their mind as much as another person. You know, we're all kind of developing our ability, just like going to school can help you develop your mind. We have the same capacity, but not everybody has realized their, their full potential. And that's what I love is like, how can you physically develop that inner knowing? It's like, we all know it's almost a trite saying, you know, that the answers lie within you or happiness and peace lie within. And we know that we absolutely know like the true guru is within you, right? but we don't always know how to get there or or how to develop that inner knowing you know how to bring that light out from within ourselves and so that's what i'm hoping to address in our call today
1: sure well i like that the uh i think there's a lot of myth behind the notion of enlightenment um, um perhaps the idea that well hell once you're enlightened um the um the way you enjoy or experience the world becomes uh um purified and and you can't have a bad experience you know, and or that once you're enlightened there's no other um, um I don't want to say required it, it it's but some people perhaps think that well once you're enlightened that's it you're you don't have the capacity to do uh, to go back into fear, to go back into karmic imprinting, but your your free will doesn't stop your uh, the ability to choose fear or love in a in a really crude and and blunt way never ever ever goes away. Certainly, you can come to an understanding of the consequences of those thoughts, but. Um, you know, you talk about David Hawkins. Uh, he would calibrate uh, people. Um, he had that scale of consciousness, level of consciousness from zero to a right. thousand, a logarithmic scale. And he talked about people that would reach a, a calibrated level of seven hundred in their life, and then later on, later on in their life, be back down to seventy, which is below the two hundred threshold. And, and what I'm Who went from is
0: 700 it. to 70? That seems odd.
1: That's, cr- that's
0: correct. I, uh, I, I'm not uh, aware of that happening. I, I know people my, that have gone above 600 and dropped under it again and things like that.
1: But, the, but you know, uh, you're,
0: to, uh, to your point, Les, uh, the idea of there being a scale in and of itself is something we, what we might want to think about to address your point. Because, you know, to somebody who's been completely lost and in pain and suffering their whole life, for them to, say, find Jesus or go to a church or a synagogue or a mosque, get some hope and move from what Hawkins would say, and, uh, a calibrated consciousness under 200, to being able to get into the 200 where you're starting to feel some hope and faith and kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel, quite, quite literally in this case, that, that's a that's a in a sense that's a movement towards enlightenment, and then you yeah. have another kind of metaphysical one in the three hundreds, and then kind of an intellectual one in the four hundreds, and then there's what's happening today with the big movement is the five hundred where people get awakened, but they're not they haven't really mastered it. It's like okay you've begun your enlightenment, but they they de- don't even realize there's a step beyond what they've attained. Perhaps there's still a them identifying with someone being enlightened. So there's this point of mastery for my you know, my whole life has been spent studying with masters around the world, you know, but just for the sake of the listeners, I've had I've had the good fortune to study with, you know, Satya Sai Baba and the heads of the Kriya lineage, Vitatri Maharishi, you know, just some of those powerful gurus around the world and that's what my my books and my movies are about and there's a whole lot of difference between say someone like Bikram who is a who is very adept at yoga postures and then someone like Dattatreya Maharishi that has actually transcended the time space continuum you know a 700 calibrated right. consciousness and so I think what's happening now there's a lot of yoga people that think they're enlightened and and they are I don't want to d- dismiss the right. light that they have discovered But at the same time, their ego has possessed it, which has kept them from realizing the full nature of their self because their mind is now identified with a new egoic sense of enlightened being. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. I like that.
0: And and I know that because that happened to me. And thank God I had a guru. I think for me, the guru was the only way I could get through it. And, and like you said, your, your ego never goes away. You just get better opportunities every day to make it a better instrument for the divine is the way I look at it. Is we're, we're not a body and a mind. We're the consciousness itself. And the idea is how do you make the body and the mind a better vehicle so that it operates at a higher calibrated level of consciousness? Or how do you have more conscious control over your mind, emotions, and senses? Does that make sense?
1: Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So there, there really is a
0: science to it. You know, we got, we got to stop identifying whether our egoic sense, our mind, our ideas, the attachment to our patterns, and, and see it for what they are. They, they serve us. They all, they all have a utility, and you either need that way of thinking or you don't, or that perspective serves you or it doesn't. Kind of like you were starting the call with. You know, are you coming from that highest place of unconditional love? you can stop and look at what you're thinking and saying look where am i what level of consciousness am i at and that's a gift for all the listeners you know just what i call being the witness if you're ever in a situation you just step back and watch your mind as if you're watching a movie and what happens is you get less caught up in the programming or the intensity the emotion of it you know and you can yeah. you kind of pull up to a higher level of consciousness where you can view things more objectively and from a place of higher higher awareness is higher love, isn't it? So sure. from this higher I, I would, place Go ahead.
1: Well, um I lo- I love everything you're saying. Um me an RF engineer guy, I mean I I have to <laughs> my analytical brain slips in and and uh if if you because, because what we're talking about is really in a, uh, an an ethereal aspect of of personas. I mean, our, our, the the physical eyes that we have do not have a way of perceiving the level of consciousness of a persona, and um, right, many ocularly you're saying, right? Um, to to create a a metaphorical Scale of consciousness So I always like to use a wall Because everybody's near a wall At one point or another On the floor yeah. is the darkest of dark This is a, a, a Man or a woman Who's got PTSD up to the hilt If they catch a cold Tonight they'll die the, Their psyche is so loaded up With karmic influence right. They're running on fumes now, now as we move up The as we move up the wall, if we move a quarter of an inch off the bottom, that might be ten watts. I, I know I'm an engineer, sorry about that. Ten watts. And then we go up the wall and at the top of the wall where it touches the ceiling, my God, that's that's light. L I G H T. There is there is no form. It is it is source consciousness. Now that right. last quarter of an inch to go that last quarter of an inch is a hundred trillion 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 watts. And so, when we talk about um, the level of consciousness of a persona, the what what I find really fascinating is the big guns, the big guns, uh, um, divine mother, divine father, God, Goddess, Source Consciousness, even the yeah. archangels. Um, humanity has prayed for the end of war um, For eons of time Billions of prayers Have been said to God To knock this, this war crap off And zero of them Zero Has descended from the heavens And silenced the guns in mass Because you need flesh and bones You need a body In this physical persona To be a conduit of love Into the human condition So we're so the stage is set for those of – when you can become aware through this, this awareness that we're talking about and then learn to see all that is as right. it is with, without condition, without judgment, then you become the conduit. You, you need flesh and bones to be the conduit of unconditional love into the human condition.
0: There you go. Well, to your point so it's being aware of your awareness is really kind of a starting point there isn't it and you develop that awareness it's innate and you have through greater awareness you live a greater life and you said something at the beginning of this show that was very powerful about language and words and where they're coming from that's an indicator of what state you're in isn't it you know right this, the words it's that come way. out are indicative of the thoughts that come out and thoughts themselves are somewhat divisive or they're somewhat linear and so what i found is like when i was a young man i wanted lots of knowledge i was reading the bible the vedas you know i read every major well, i was writing a book on world religion so i ended up writing studying every major script scripture all good stuff but it was still words and but through the meditation i start going deeper and deeper and deeper and what i realized is At one level, I needed the words and an intellectual understanding and even an experience. But then as I went into my yoga tapas, I don't know if you know the story Les, but my, my guru sent me through this period where I started sitting 12 hours a day in uninterrupted meditation for months. And then I worked up to 20 and then finally I was sitting 23 hours a day for 40 continuous days and nights. I didn't move. And my mind stopped. I went outside the time-space continuum. I went beyond all thought, form. There's only light. And, and that was through the grace of my guru, my teacher, taking me there. He was guiding me into these higher frequencies because my mind didn't know how to go there. matter of fact, my mind was the very thing getting in the way of me being here. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Right. Yeah. So I good. had to go out of my mind <laughs> you know, to find you, you kind of <laughs> had to leave your mind behind. But then the trick is okay. Now that source of light that we're we're actually all connected with it. We are in fact all it, and it's never sure. not us. It's just we've been ignorant of it, and that's what we're coming here to realize. We are that. We are that. It's kind of like you know the way I like to explain it, Les. I'd like to know your head on this. I explain to my students that w- there's a consciousness of ours in every brain cell, isn't there? Our consciousness is being expressed through every brain cell in our brain. And in the same way, the same consciousness is being expressed through every being in the universe. We are all like brain cells. There's the same consciousness that's coming out in different forms. And we're all part of a greater interconnected wholeness of being. There's a consciousness that's subjective as it goes to our mind and senses, but there's also a greater consciousness that we're all a part of. Just like there's an energy, the same energy that makes my heart beat makes your heart beat. You know, we all draw our life from the same source, but it gets expressed through different conduits we call people. But actually we're part of a greater interconnected wholeness of being, and I think that's what the Enlightenment is really about, is us beginning to, to connect with this innate intelligence or beingness of God itself. You know, it says it says in the Gospel of Thomas, one of my favorite reflections is the apostles are asking jesus and whether you're a christian or not it's just great philosophy they said okay you've been talking about the kingdom of heaven they said when will this kingdom come and he says well his reply to them is it will not come by waiting for it you you cannot say that it's over here or over there for the kingdom of the father is spread out before man but he sees it not so those that have eyes, let him see. So what he's saying, it won't come by waiting for, and it's not over here or over there. It's here and now. It's spread out before you. He makes it even clearer. It's right here, but you don't see it. So this is what the Enlightenment is. Uh, so even Jesus is teaching Enlightenment, and I, I don't think many people realize that. Because he's pointing out the kingdom of the Father, the kingdom of heaven, isn't some astral world beyond Pluto. It's a state of consciousness where you realize God's living presence within yourself and within everyone else and everything else everywhere all the time. It's undivided. And so we can look at enlightenment from that perspective too. From I think that's a higher perspective to realize that when we come to kind of grow out of our self-oriented self-concept and begin to realize that we're part of something bigger and we're here to bring this awareness into the world right now. And that's why we're having this conversation on your show. Kind of exciting.
1: Well, yeah. You know, um, I, I find it – I love noodling this. I love this conversation. Um, I'm so delighted to have you back on the show. You know, when uh, um, when Jesus Thank was you. on the cross and they were crucifying him and uh, – um, he was he was the personification of love in in other words um um love in that moment didn't take up a sword and fight a battle against a battle um right uh, in in other words and and so so many people hinge the notion that well well, Jesus is coming back and he's gonna kick um Satan's ass all the way to hell So is is he going to Super Jesus school Or super savior school And and I'm not being um, sarcastic And I'm not uh, What my point is Is To personify love Is not to fight What is To personify love Is not to uh, Take up arms against anything you know it's it's kind of like the um um like uh, fossil fuel, okay, gasoline. um how many times have you driven to a gas station, put gas in your car? Well, damn it, it's polluting the air, damn it it's it's scarring mother earth, damn it, it's doing this, damn it, it's doing that. Well, if we were to end it all today, today we'd all be walking tomorrow and the the mm-hmm. economy would collapse. Well, and and the, the point I'm making here has nothing to do with fossil fuel. The point I'm making here is so many of us are here as a, as a life purpose to create. Consciousness creates. It's, it's the source of all creation. And when, and when we take our consciousness and we look at what is, and then we don our bows and arrows to fight what is, we, we're literally castrating ourselves from our own divine potential. <laughs> we,
0: we, well, let's we, give up the fight and just go into love. Cre-
1: we need to create the new paradigm. We need to create yeah. the new. And, and when we put our attention on that, by <laughs> very default, it has no choice but to advance to fruition. So it's, you know, if, if you consider yourself enlightened and you're walking in a protest line, you're not in you're not having a behavior that's that reflects um, source consciousness. Um, it, it, it's kind of like to disconnect from the narrative that that is being shown to us and be the dreamer. To be the dreamer. I mean, if you pray to to uh, Divine Mother and say, "Boy, howdy, um, show me how I can be an even bigger vessel of unconditional love." you better get some boots on and some gloves because some big-ass vision will come into your persona as a possibility yeah. for your life in this lifetime. But if you don't take that on as a creation, as a vehicle of creation, and you still point at, at the conundrum of what is, you're really diluting and polluting the the power behind your own divinity. What do you think?
0: Well, this is coming back to these calibrated levels of consciousness because those things that are polluting your ability are lower levels of consciousness. And so one of the things I love to teach is if you just sit back, like we were saying, and look, where am I at? You can kind of use the scale, not that it's it's golden. It's not the perfect right. answer to anything. But if you look at it in terms of your own life and say, well, where am I at on my own level of happiness? Or where am I at in terms of what i'm saying what i'm thinking what's my state of consciousness relative to the highs and lows of my own life experience and that can start to be your guide to maybe say well maybe i should look at that more maybe um, i think the self-reflection in and of itself develops consciousness because the more conscious you become of how conscious you are the more your consciousness evolves And the more conscious you become of what makes you become unconscious, the more your consciousness evolves. So growing – you become more conscious as you consciously intend to become more conscious. Thus, the purpose of our conversation today and sharing with your listeners is like, look, there's an awakening. And it really begins when you begin to look at your own awakening and saying, well, how awakened am I and how – you must be awakened to some degree or you wouldn't be listening to us. Now the question right. is where is that taking you and how is that creative potential being fulfilled through you? What is that higher potential? And once you start thinking about it, it's like a prayer. Lord, how can I serve? All of a sudden, like you were saying earlier, you better put your boots on because <laughs> once you get aligned, it all just starts happening. And you don't even have to do it. It just starts happening. Huh?
1: Right. Well, and and to to when that vision comes, when the answer, of the dream comes. Um, how often does our ego quant- try to quantify it? I mean, I I love the notion of like when I when I first got the inspiration to write a book. I mean, I'm I'm this small town kid from Utah, and and um, educa- formal education. I found a, a a very strong irritant to my persona. And now I'm getting this impulse to write a book. Well, my ego (laughs) had to wrestle that because my ego, you know, like typically you'll get the inspiration while your mind's busy doing something else. You're unloading the groceries from the car or something, and a single sentence will pop in your head. Hey, Les, why don't you write a book? And where we can really fall over ourselves is the very next sentence we pull it up in our head and we start bitch slapping it into submit. Who are you to write a book? You don't know squat about grammar. What does a small town kid have to say that anybody wants to listen to? And so when that dream comes, when you, when you ask, How can I be a bigger vessel of unconditional love for humanity? and some big ass dream comes in your persona, it takes a disciplined ego to say, Of course, of course there's a way for that to happen. Of course, there's a path to fulfill that, and then to to discount to really surrender any notion of who you thought you were, so a much bigger you can show up and fulfill it, fulfill it i I find it very curious.
0: very good well this is this is the opportunity that we all have and all the listeners is is to realize that there is this potentiality that is availing itself and to the degree you reflect on that potential you begin to realize that potential. Matter of fact, when we were talking about consciousness, you know, so often it's looked at in the psychological context, like a subjective consciousness like what a person's conscious or unconscious of the consciousness in the East has a much broader meaning that's, that's worth contemplating, I think, that to realize that it might be worth reflecting on it as a latent potentiality, Shiva, as it were, the, the, the nothingness from which everything arises out of, is sustained by, and merges back into, the undifferentiated, the undivided, the unmanifest, matter of fact. And every, for everything that it's manifest, it it had a potential to arise. It's arising and being supported by something, and ultimately its energy or form will change and come back into what we think of as emptiness or nothingness. And so nothingness is the somethingness, really. There's this latent potentiality that is the true nature of our own being. And that's why meditation is so important. I think when we quiet our mind, And all the saints, you know, all the the most enlightened beings I've ever known spent some time just getting quiet, regardless of the form of meditation or the lineage and so forth. The quieting of the mind and just going into that silence, being able to move outside of the mind, the trammels of the mind and senses and the ego that's always needing some validation or needing to do something. We just leave it all behind. And I think that's where the truth comes it it's not out of my mouth or or anyone else's really it's 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 beyond
1: sure, sure. right
0: and i wish that for everyone we, it's we it's can, both beyond yet it's accessible to everyone because it's within everyone it's the essence of everyone does that make sense
1: yeah well i yeah it does i mean Enlightenment is a discovery. It's not a creation. You discover the right. answers. Right.
0: You know, I like to say, you know, how far from your house do you need to go to find your way home? Because you've never been anything <laughs> other than that which you already are. You know, God right. is. It's like you were talking about the name of Yahweh. If you, when you Earlier you were mentioning the name of Yahweh. It means I am or I am that which I am. It's referring to the consciousness, right? I mean, God is even telling us in the simplicity and purity of the meaning of God from the burning bush. It, it later got embellished, you know, but its essence was I am, right? I mean, it's,
1: sure.
0: the essence of the creator is the potential for creation to be created. And that same potential lies within each of us. That becomes that what we used to call the co-creative principle, you know, how I would say uh, – God's light is within every well you know they say in the Kabbalah if you go to study with the Rabbi Berg at the Research Center for Kabbalah which I did, he'd say we're all sparks of divinity and the idea is we come into this world not really knowing who we are, we don't know this divine nature and so our life experiences are helping us to learn and grow and evolve, we go through different stages until we come we start in Malkut, in Hebrew Malkut means root And he says, we end at Keter, which in Hebrew means crown. And so I said, Rabbi Berg, this sounds like yoga. You know, we start at the root chakra and then enlightenment's at the crown chakra. He goes, it's the same thing. It's the same truth, Stephen, he says. The Bible, the Bada he goes, there's one truth, there's one God, and it's the reality itself. And then religion screws it up. (laughs) Even screwing it up is a relative term because it helps some people. I mean, take the guy that's, you know, I mean, it's there for a reason. We created it because somebody needed it. And But what we're also seeing, you know, to tie this back into our subject today, is there is this enlightenment occurring. There, There's this questioning. There's this we, – we can just look at the fact that we're talking about enlightenment or there's a new living radio or self-awareness or – you know, all all the, all the yoga studios around the world, a lot of them are just looking for better buns, but there is a higher consciousness that's coming through this movement, from from Tony Robbins to gurus to to our own conversation here. People are starting to think about well, what is consciousness, and what does it mean to be more conscious or or higher conscious? What is enlightenment for that reason? So if you want to bring about enlightenment, we need to talk about it. And hence this discussion is as more and more people begin to reflect on not just kind of broadly speaking, what is the enlightenment, which is people realizing we can create a better world and mobilizing to do it. it it's also realizing that we have a potential to further evolve ourselves, to develop, not just become smarter. It's, I would say it's a sixth sense. It's the, it it's like being it's like learning to use the force. There's an invisible yeah. force, force guiding us all. We'll call it the Holy Spirit, if you will. You know, I don't care what you call it. But but something's guiding everything from the movement of the planet and the stars and 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 the geology in us. There's sub invisible forces, and the more you plug in, the more you'll see it and can work with it. It's amazing. So ignorance has no beginning and it does have an end but enlight- enlightenment has no end but it does have a beginning so i think it's safe to say that everybody on the call their enlightenment has already begun and we can we can start from the place of like not having to go somewhere else to find something we don't have but rather explore deeper within ourselves the truth that seeks its expression through us through what we think and say and do and for that to happen i think we ha- we need to step back from the mind and make sure it's not Taking over, I think that's the hell. The hell's created in our head. Matter of fact, did you know? I don't know if you know. And I'm not not that I'm, I'm I'm putting too much emphasis on Catholic theology, but in 1999, Pope John Paul himself said in an edict, you can look it up at the Vatican archive. He said, "Hell is not a physical place." Now, my grandmother Ruth would be rolling over in her grave. She was a Baptist. And she believed that it was like a place in the middle of the earth, it's hot, and there's a guy with horns, and you're going to burn if you don't accept Jesus. And conversely, there's a place in the sky where people have wings and play the harp or something. You know. But the Pope even said, look, hell is not a physical place. His perception and that of Ratzinger, who was the head of the papal see, said, hell is when you willfully estrange yourself from God. That is, you're turning away from the divine presence in your life and so we're even look and they're even accepting that in light, that evolution is a part of God's plan it's the proof of the invisible hand of God guiding us so there's there's shifts occurring even within the theology the old kind of stodgy religion that's held us back there is an awakening here and so I kind of wanted to leave the the call today on a really positive note that despite the war and and all the negativity we hear on the news that we we don't want to get caught up in that fear, like you were saying. You know, we want to stay in the light. We want to look for that light and see, not only see it in each other, see it in the potential of what we can create, and then start creating it. So we can share this light, and we can bring it through. First, what we're thinking, what we're saying, what we're doing, what we feel. You know, check in with ourselves and say, Hey, am I am I being moody today, or am I bringing light into the world today? And then consciously share this light with everyone we see, everywhere we go all the time, every day, and just practice bringing light into the world. And if we all start doing this, we'll all start bringing more light to the world.
1: Indeed. Well, the... So that's the, my plan. The, har- <laughs> the harvest is is rich. The The fields yeah. are full. There's so much hunger in the heart of humanity for a new story, for a new paradigm, for something more authentic. And when you awaken your own persona more, when you become more conscious, when you connect with that higher realm of yourself, you can be the persona that receives the inspiration of the new paradigms. And when you're that vehicle of the new paradigm, it's it's a... incredible, even indescribable volume of opportunity for you yeah. as a persona to be the vehicle of creation of, of the new paradigm of humanity. And, yeah. and the reason I, I bring this up is a lot of times the ego doesn't want to engage anything unless it knows what the outcome is. And when you look at at the way the 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 paradigm is now, um, it's time for the harvest. It's time for those to awaken, to th- thrust in their sickle and, and bring into form the new idea, the new vision, the new potential of what our human story can be about. And when you, when you engage in that as your intention, I promise you your ego is going to be ecstatic in joy as you conduit the, the the new idea, the new vision of humanity and bring it into form, that's that's raw creation and And to do it out of compassion for humanity, damn, that's over the top. that's that's yeah. hard for, um, um fulfillment, a deep sense of satisfaction, a deep sense of purpose fills your yeah. being each and every day.
0: Well, let's do it now. I mean, not just you and I, but everyone that's listening to us right now, or whenever they're listening, um, let's create um, maybe pique their interest. You know, Give them an inspiration that they can visualize with us. So what are the kind of things we can visualize? Well, our own joy and happiness and peace, our prosperity, a world living in peace, a world without war, a healthy world, a world where people ate good natural foods, everyone had something to eat, everyone had some place to live. Everyone loved each other, I think, is the point, too, not just at a material sense, but we actually felt a compassion, you know, a, a sense of true brotherly love instead of a divisiveness and a, and a dividing of people by nationality or race, colors, gender, and so forth. Let us look for the light within each other's eyes. Let us bring us out in each other. Let's, let's just love. I'd like to picture a world where we just loved each other, and I do. So when I go around the world, I was in Africa this year and we're in India and wherever we go, it's, you know, it's spreading the message of love. And let's, I just want to subs- invite everyone listening to join the movement as it were. Don't, not not to follow me or less or anyone else, follow your heart, you know, and just right. see what you yeah. can do to make a difference in the world, to bring light into the world.
1: I like the idea of, uh, um. Um, sustainability as a local term. In other words, the car you put in your the I'm sorry, the gas you put in your car came from another country or perhaps another state. What if everything you needed for your, your, for your livelihood came within a five or ten mile radius? What if your neighbor's teenage boy knew how to uh, generate power for your home? What if um, there was no limit? Like um uh, I good, love good. flipping things. I love flipping things on its head. Like for example, yeah. uh in the old paradigm money decided everything. What kind of house you lived in, what kind of education where you went on vacation, blah blah blah. Flip that over. What if money decided nothing and you could do yeah. absolutely whatever you want and there wouldn't even be a context in your head as to how you wouldn't even think of how you would only think of your desire to create and then it would yeah. come to being
0: oh i love it it's beautiful clean air clean water clean food clean yep. soil clean minds happy people what if, what if we also saw people that needed help and we just it would just be the most natural thing for us to help them right you know with um
1: with no uh motive or um reason
0: and and how about natural means of healing instead of this drug-based society where we're all getting addicted and we, let's picture a, a place where we're we're, we're healing naturally and we don't need to go to extreme measures to be healthy because we've we're taking care yeah. of ourselves we know how to live right how about if we don't kill animals period i don't think we need meat at all and um we weren't we wouldn't torture them by putting them in these concentration camps for animals where they have a horrible existence you know we we've become completely dead to how other living beings feel too and they have feelings so i think a state of higher consciousness is when we care about other people animals and the earth itself and um, felt a compassion a, a sense of a, a sense of us being working together you know
1: well um
0: Nature (laughs) Nature models Go ahead Nature
1: models Multiple um, Personas of consciousness And uh, nature shows Harmony in and of itself Where there's plants And there's um, animals And I mean there's such a Diverse culture of life Coexisting in harmony Nature already Shows us a model of what That can look like and the human yep. element is kind of disconnected from it. What if the human element reconnected with that? And I I think the um uh, the Native Americans really appreciated the um connection with earth, the connection with yeah. the water, the connection with the sun and with the the plants and the animals. And, um, and we can't live we can't live isolated from from the um The earth, it's going to be reconnecting with the earth. Um, We were probably there at one time. But um, nature has many examples of what harmony looks like right now on this planet today. We don't have to conjure up a vision of it. We can go experience it by going out in nature and observing harmony personified by by the natural elements.
0: Exactly, it's like getting in tuned with nature or the innate intelligence of the universe. It flows through everything, including us. I think that's another benefit to meditating is it's it's an attunement process, like getting tuned to your spirit. You also tend to get attuned to the spirit flowing around you, whether it's through physical space or plants and animals. You know, it's like we, we might call it intuition or instinct, maybe. You know, like animals are so, in, they seem so attuned, like nowhere to go. But humans are, too. We have this ability to tune in. It's, it's like psychic abilities, too. We have a, we do have a sense of, I, I really ought to go over here, or I really need to avoid that person or this circumstance. And if we listen to that better, we would live better lives both individually and collectively. I think that's a part of the enlightenment too, is, is learning how to get attuned to nature again and to our and no better way to get attuned to nature than to get attuned to nature within ourselves and see how it's reflected around us.
1: Right. I like that. Good job. Well you know, yeah. um an hour can go by pretty fast. We've got about yeah. six minutes left. I want to make sure the audience knows what you've been working on, how to connect with you, and uh, the resources that you've created to help humanity. Can you uh, enlighten so the speaker audience as to those uh, variables?
0: Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I can do it in two minutes. I, we, first of all, you can go to selfawareness.com. My, my last movie, Enlightenment Now. I'm happy to say there's over a million views. Won a whole bunch of awards. And it can give you a background on what I do. You just, it's on the website. Just go to the movie and you can watch it online. And I've got a new, um, I'm not sure when, we do world tours every year. So if you want to get together, if you want to do a seminar, you want me to come out, I teach mindfulness for free, any school district. And uh, I've got a new TV show coming out or a station, Enlightenment um, Enlightenment Network will be launched later this year. And I have two, um, uh, that'll be like a, Maybe a, a Netflix for spirituality, and the first two programs are my Self Realization Course and my God Realization Course. So that'll be coming out later this year. enlightenmententertainment.com dot com or Network dot com. Enlightenment Entertainment is the LLC. So more of this, more sharing like this, brother.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to the day when our our Physical pass cross and uh, and we meet in person. I think that'd be a delightful thing.
0: Yeah, me too. Where are you based at? Uh, Colorado. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got to do a program out there. My sister's in Superior.
1: <laughs> hey, I've done
0: some rock climbing out there. That's what
1: I'm doing right now. No, I'm I'm that was humor. I yeah, a little humor.
0: I've out. been to what do you call it, El Dorado and uh, Avalon and. The flat irons. I climbed the flat irons, and um, anyway, it's great. I love Colorado. Great people too. Talk about God's country, uh, man. Just go out into the mountains. There's a God.
1: Well, what you know? Just uh, if from where I am right now, if I face west, there's the Rocky Mountains. Range and that goes from Canada to Mexico, and Colorado oh, has Colorado has fifty three peaks over fourteen thousand feet. And I know in in if you're from Nepal, that they call those foothills. But it, but yeah. it's such a masculine, it's it's gig, gigantically huge masculine energy from from Canada to Mexico. This Rocky yeah. Mountain mountain range. And then right where I am, I turn east and it's pretty much bone-ass flat to the Atlantic Ocean, which is incredible yin. It's massive yin. Yeah. And right in oh, the middle, wow. right where those two meet is in the middle of the state of Colorado. And so I, I think a lot of people are attracted to this location because of I, you know the vortex. I don't know what you want to call it, but the, the, there's a a powerful um, uh, component of of how Colorado is placed right at the edge of extremely massive masculine and extremely massive feminine.
0: Yeah, and a lot of consciousness, a lot of movement of consciousness in Colorado, particularly places like Boulder. Sure. There's a lot, yep. a lot of New thought.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to
0: come out there. Do you
1: have any uh, Do you have any closing thoughts for us?
0: I love you, and I love all the people that are listening. And it's exciting that people are listening because it means they're enlightening, and that gives hope for a better world. Together, we can make a difference. Thank you, Les.
1: It. It's always my pleasure having you on this show, Stephen. Um, uh, i I want to say kudos to you because um, it's quite clear that the compassion for the the compassion that you have for your humanity is quite palatable and and you embody you personify, you walk the talk if you will. Of, of the compassion of your heart. And um, I think that is um, um, a, a beautiful way to live. So I, I say kudos to you. Thank you for being on this planet at this time. Thank you for following the passion of your heart. Thank you for holding humanity in compassion. Um, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. I wanna thank you for being our guest tonight.
0: Thanks, let's do it again I like it <laughs>
1: We've been talking With Stephen Sedler And uh, the topic tonight has been The global enlightenment What a fun conversation What a delightful um, Contemplation if you will About the nature of nature The nature of consciousness The potential That exists within each one of us when we When we Open up our vessel, our, our portal, our node in the holographic, all that is, if you will. When we, when we offer up our own consciousness as a vehicle of change for humanity, that's it right there, period, end of story. When that is personified by human beings just like you and me, when we show up from that place of compassion always, every single time, the the course of humanity shifts. And when we start doing that in mass, when we start doing that in volume, there's no other outcome but the return of heaven on earth. The return of, to, um, I believe heaven on earth is the uh, embodiment to be able to embody unconditional love in the persona you have now. Heaven is, exists now just like hell does. But to personify unconditional love for all that is as it is in this moment is the personification of heaven on earth. And as more and more of us um, awaken to that ocean of love, that ocean of peace at the core of our being, and we start to rest our consciousness there, we park our consciousness in that illness, in that peace, in that vast ocean of of love, of the divine light within us, then then from that place of peace, we personify um, the inherent harmony of of life itself. And I wanna I wanna celebrate you, the listener, because here you are. You've engaged. Uh, this program, as Stephen and I have have noodled the nature of consciousness, you've showed up for yourself. You showed up for an opportunity to ex- to grow who you are. I celebrate you, the listener. You know, it it brings me great joy to bring conversations like this to to the show. It's always a pleasure. I always enjoy. Um, finding those guests, those um those personas that can that can bring a new perspective, that can that can expand the perception of the potential of our human demeanor. We're living in <laughs> <laughs> these are most exciting times. What a powerful time to be alive and, and here you are. Hey I, I'm Les Jensen, I'm your host. As always such a pleasure spending this time with you. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com.
0: Thanks for listening.